gotta tell you, I'm not a fan of these Madonna microphones. I'm, I'm just not. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've, I've, I don't use them. Like I usually have a handheld microphone, but since we're doing all these props and things, I was like, well, I gotta be able to grab things without, without looking too ridiculous. And I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm kind of, I was excited about this. <laughs> I, I do not consider myself a huntsman. What are you? <laughs> What is it called? Somebody. Archer. Well, that makes a lot more sense. It does take me back to Robin Hood. Archer. Yeah, I get that. Cool. We'll just put that back. I'm going to make someone. I'm going to hurt something. No lie. Pastor Ross <clears throat> dropped that off at my house uh, this, past, uh, this past Wednesday. And, and he's like, hey, I put it outside the garage. Just make sure you take it in. Doesn't need to get rained on or anything. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was kind of looking forward to get home. Because I'm like, I'm going to shoot that sucker. I've only been hunting one time in my entire life. Now, if any of my relatives wind up watching this on Facebook, hello, Facebook world. If anybody of my relatives wind up watching this, they're just going to facepalm because I come from a family from Kentucky and they're, you know, hunters and, and, and that's just, that's their lifestyle. I remember when I was young, my dad, uh, my, my dad would go out hunting for necessity. We were incredibly poor. <laughs> we lived in a, in a trailer on the church property is, is kind of is, is how, how I grew up for a few years, and then it just, then it went to, uh, went to an old farmhouse with a, a coal burner stove and all these things, and, and so there were times in life when, uh, when we just didn't have food to put on the table, and so we were fishing and hunting. I say we, he was fishing <laughs> and hunting. You go squirrel hunting, and I remember I told, uh, I told my wife that for the first time. Yeah, my dad would go shoot squirrel, and she was just like, eh. Those are like the rats of trees, right? No, no, squirrels are awesome. The only time I've ever gone bow hunting, I didn't have a weapon. My dad was like, I was bugging him, like, come on, let me go, let me go. He's like, all right, come on. And he used me. I felt used. We're walking, we're walking through the woods, and there's like this, this, this pine thicket. He goes, Corey, I want you to take 300 steps that way and take a left. Okay. I turn around and he disappears. I'm like, what in the world is that? So I start counting and I got really bored really fast. So I just start running. I'm like, ah, I'll get there. This is about 99, 100, you know, whatever. Took a left. I didn't realize he was using me to flush out a deer. <laughs> I'm, walk, I'm, walking through, I'm walking through this pine forest and all of a sudden this buck, like, have you ever heard a buck snort? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was like, it's, it's laughter at me. It was just, <sighs> and then we just, rises up and it takes off out. all I can think is my dad's gonna shoot me <laughs> so he's down here he's 300 steps that way pointing an arrow at me that was it that was the only time I went hunting so it has nothing to do with anything but figured I had to talk about arrows and bows <laughs> have you guys enjoyed this series so far yeah, yeah man I, I'm, I've just I've just been I've been loving every single week of it uh, so many things to apply to our life. I, I love it when, when we can walk home and we have clear direction, seeing things. Where, where is it I, I need to fix my stance in my life? Where is it I need, I need to fix my aim? What are, what are some things in my life that I need to evaluate? And I got to tell you something. If you're coming on Sunday morning, enjoying good worship, listening to a message and saying, amen, pastor, that's so good. And then walking home and doing nothing about it, you are wasting everyone's time. You're wasting your time. You're not wasting our time. We're getting something out of it. You're wasting your time. God has got good stuff for you, but we've got to apply it. Someone say, amen. amen. 
something that stood out to me throughout this, this series, because you know, when something like this, you worry, man, it, is everybody who doesn't have kids, are they just going to check out? And man, this hasn't been that way. It's very much a family series, but don't you know this is a family of God? Every single one of us, we, we're, we're mentoring people we don't even realize. We are an example to people all around us, and we don't even realize. You've heard the saying, it takes a village, right? Is, is Peter here this morning? Because I think he takes a, a large township. Second service, he takes a Mecca. Too many children. You know, they have the perfect amount of children, maybe more. I'm not going to step in something. <laughs> children are amazing. And I'm so glad we, we've, got, we've got an amazing uh, children's department here. It does an incredible job. If, if, you, if you have any kids, uh, I just want to encourage you. There are some free resources back. Do you guys know where the, the resource wall, the parent resource wall is? Uh, back by, by the check-in where you check the kids in and, and, and get rid of them for like an hour? Yeah, you know that spot. Right there on the wall, there's a parent resource wall. And they've got some free things back there uh, to give you. I just encourage you to go back there and take a look and talk to somebody and get some stuff back there. But we should all be challenged within this series to tighten up how we're leading ourselves, how we're leading our family, how we're leading those around us, and how we're leading the next generation. With that in mind, I'd like to take another look at our arrows this morning and talk about the importance of a straight arrow. Everybody say straight arrow. straight arrow. We've all heard that term before, right? A straight arrow. He's a real straight arrow. You don't hear she's a real straight arrow because they're not. I'm kidding. <laughs> straight arrow, yeah. I remember as a boy, I, I, was, uh, I was involved in, in, in the, the Christian version of, Royal, of, uh, of, of Boy Scouts. It was called Royal Rangers. Anybody ever heard of Royal Rangers? Yeah. And the, very, the, the, the littlest, littlest, not the littlest, I think the littlest was rainbows. But then the next, the next step up was, was straight arrows. And when you were in the rainbows, it was boys and girls together. And so when you became a straight arrow, oh, it was just the guys. Right? And now, now we get to start camping and shooting things and... All the good times. The whole idea is, is teaching a, a young man how to, how to look at life and how to, how to compensate for things and how to, how to adjust when life throws you those curveballs. We know what a straight arrow is. A straight arrow is intentionally formed to fly straight. Have you, has anybody here ever made an arrow before? Anybody? That has a specific name, too. I don't know what that person's called. What? Fletching? I thought you called me a name. We were going to fight. <laughs> the fletching, yes. Yeah, the fletching. Well, this one's rubber. That's no fun. <laughs> In aviation, they talk about the attitude. The attitude is something's position in the sky and how it's moving forward. You got the yaw, which is the... You know, this, this type of thing, right? You get the pitch, which is front and back, and the roll. And it's amazing. These things, are, these things are built with precision. I mean, if the, if the shaft is bent up, it's, it's not going to fly straight. If, if the end is, is, all, is all warped and messed up, it's, it's going to catch the wind wrong. If these, 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 these feathers back here, or these, the fletching, is there? I'm going to look really intelligent second service when I just start... The archer and the fletching. (laughs) 
why is he acting so smart? Everybody knows this. But no, no, these, these things, they're, they're put on in such a way that, that, that as it flies through the air, it spins, keeping it from, from, from the yaw from getting crazy. And it's kind of like the South, y'all crazy. Maybe that's what's wrong with the South. There's too much y'all. You guys. As you guys. A straight arrow is crafted with attention to detail. Everybody say attention. To detail. Proverbs 26, I'm sorry, 22.6, it says this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. To train is to teach, to instruct, to show through example, to mold. Guys, so much of the training lies in the construction of an emotionally mature person. How many of you would sit beside the person next to you and say, I'm so glad I'm sitting beside an emotionally mature person. Right? Yes. All the wise men are raising their hands. Because <laughs> we all know what emotions are, right? Yes, because we're born with them. That's basically it. We're born with emotions and the ability to mess ourselves. Right? That, that's basically who we are as humans when we come into this world. Sadly, some adults, they just, they, all they have is their emotions and the ability to mess everybody else up. But. Emotions, they're, they're, they're primal, aren't they? They're raw. Emotions are instinctual. We, we don't have to tell ourselves to have an emotion. It just happens, right? Even the animals have emotions. They show fear. They show aggression. They show anger. How many of you have a dog that shows jealousy? Right? <laughs> right? What is your problem? Get over yourself, you five-pound fool. Some of these dogs, they, I mean, they're like the size of a shoe, and they think you can take you. Emotion. We get emotion. But how many of you are aware of emotional intelligence? See, emotion being as primal and as instinctual as it is, it's just basic. And being a youth pastor, I have understood that being basic is bad. <laughs> Some teenage girl comes out, you're basic. What are you talking about? <laughs> Basically awesome. I don't know. What... We don't want to be basic. No, I'm not just an animal. Emotional intelligence is defined as this, the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions. And to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Everybody say emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the key to both personal and professional success. To be able to have an emotion but not be ruled by the emotion. To use the emotion as a jumping point. This is, this is my body, this is my mind, these are the chemicals telling me something has happened. I, I, the, the whole fight or flight thing, right? Something's going on. Or I'm really happy, time to scream. Or I'm really upset, time to punch somebody. Right? Or I'm just really mad, or I'm really frustrated, or I have too many Theodore Coppola's kids. <laughs> I have three sons. We had our, our, first, our first son, and then 16 months later had twins, twin boys. Yes, my oldest is 12 now. The twins will turn 11 uh, day after Christmas, and life is starting to get nuts. 
It is. They're starting to get big enough to punch back. No. <laughs> it's getting crazy. I love their personalities. They're fun. Getting to know who they are. And, and, and as, that, as that just begins to bloom and blossom and, and, and all that stuff. But you, you still see that feral nature, right? When the emotion just gets worked up. I'm just sitting there trying to watch some TV, minding my own business. After working 200 hours, slaving away in the hot sun and snowing uphill. All of a sudden from the playroom, in the world? Well, he, ch he changed my character. Are you kidding me? What's the matter with you? Go chew on some salt. <laughs> I had a coach one time. He had salt tablets. Like every time we got hurt, he was like, go chew on some salt. You'll be good. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Chew on some salt. The truth is, guys, that uh, many of us were raised, sadly, by emotionally imperfect people. Anybody in the room? Mm-hmm. Raised by emotionally imperfect people. And, and, and here we are, we're tasked, we're tasked with the business of raising kids and raising the next generation, either, either our children or people around us or being a demonstration to others around us. And one thing I want, I want, to, make sure, want to make sure we all understand, when we're talking about children, it's not just the little ones. People who are fresh to Jesus are known as babes. Because their understanding, of, their understanding of who God is in spiritual matters, it's, it's, well, it's basic. And as they learn and as they grow, they are watching us. And so those who are, who are younger in faith, they need us to be emotionally intelligent when it comes to our life. They need us to be able to demonstrate what it is to walk around not ruled by emotion, but ruled by the truth of who God is in our life sad reality is that not all of us are there. Many of us, maybe even most of us, we have flaws. Our parents had flaws. Our grandparents had, our great-grandparents had flaws. My mom grew up in Hazard, Kentucky. Just this place of just, it might, her, her dad was a coal miner and it was just a very rough way of life. And, and, and man, there were, there were a lot of issues in that house. It was, it was a blended family and all, ki all kinds of stuff. And, and just, there was just emotional abuse. And, and man, my mom had to grow up in that. And then all of a sudden, she's got three kids in her early 20s. And, and she's trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? All of a sudden, we're supposed to be perfect, right? That's how we raise perfect children, by being perfect. And it, it's, it's hard because, so if this, is, if this is my arrow, or maybe this is your arrow, and you, you were born with the ability to measure yourself, and you were born with your physicality and your emotion, as that was about it. And we're the blank slate, waiting, waiting to have every impression just soaked in. But then, but then we have, we have a, a, a parent who just isn't around as much as as they should have been. Or maybe, maybe we, have, we have somebody who, who has an addiction in, in life and, and, and it, just ma it just makes things a bit more difficult to, to fly straight. You know what I'm talking about? And, 
And maybe you come from a broken home. I, I don't know your life. I don't know your story. But I'm telling you, that makes an impact. It makes an impact. And maybe you, you went through life and, and you, you, weren't, you weren't Brad Pitt in, in, in middle school. And so maybe you got picked on a little bit because you were a little husky. Going through life, you're trying to figure things out, trying to, trying to get life figured out. But then you, you start to compensate and you, you, start to, you start to get, maybe you turn to a chemical to, to help life make more sense, to be a little better. And, and, and things, are just, things are getting messed up in the jobs and, and, the, and the finances and everything. And then some, some emotionless robot invents Facebook and then everything just... <laughs> How am I supposed to? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we're loosed on the world and expected to fly straight. Everybody else seems so straight. Everybody else has their pitch and their yaw figured out, and I'm just a mangled mess. Where do I go from here? Let's pray real fast. Heavenly Father, God, I pray you would just open up our minds this morning to your truth. God, I pray that you would just impact us with your reality. Challenge us to chase you. In your name, everyone said, amen, amen. I want to talk this morning about relationships. One of our biggest issues in our country is, and our culture is facing right now is the inability to manage a healthy relationship through conflict. Someone say amen. amen. Who just wants to throw a hammer through your TV? Anybody else? Oh, done, did it? <laughs> I'll be honest. It's a mess out there, people. Cloudy with a chance of insanity. I want to focus on the topic of dealing with relationships because life cannot be lived without relationships. And relationships cannot happen without conflict. How many of you know that to be true? Amen. Come on. Amen. Relationships cannot happen without conflict. And where do we learn the skill to deal with conflict and deal with relationships? Well, we learn that, we learn that at home. We learn that at home. And before we get too deep into this, I want, I want, I want you to ask yourself, how am I doing? When it comes to relationships and dealing with relationships through conflict, how am I doing? How is my example? Am I emotionally intelligent or am I just emotional? Am I taking the time to craft a straight arrow or am I just kind of making it happen? Do, do, do you seek resolution to your conflicts or do you just want the argument to be over? Does a resolution to a conflict mean I got to yell louder and therefore it's done? I pushed the biggest button. Man, I've seen some knockdown, drag out arguments between, between people who I know love each other and they're just going at it and it's getting uglier and uglier and uglier and all of a sudden one of them will push that button. And may you, everybody, we all know Everybody's got those different buttons, but you, all of a sudden, one of them will step over the line and say that thing 
and it just shuts it all down. Shuts it down. Turn around, walk away, I am done. I'm done. See, we live in a world that teaches us very, very well and very often on how to conflict. This is what you need to do, and this is what they need to do, and if they don't do this, then you do this. And, and man, just, just, just watch any television, any reality show, any of this. Get on social media, whatever it may be. Turn on a news radio, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. You can't escape it. The world pits one against another, loved one against loved one, brother against father. It doesn't matter. As long, as long as we disagree, there's something to talk about. And nowhere, no, nowhere am I seeing people stand up and say, this is how we get together. Just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean I have to hate you. Just because I was raised different doesn't mean that you're the enemy. Just because we're arguing does not mean we have to fight. Guys, a majority of the relationships that fail, they don't do so because of an insurmountable issue. They do so because one or more of the parties have no idea, have absolutely no idea how to handle a relationship through conflict. And I want to make sure we understand that because I think we've all, either, either, either we've felt it in our life or we've seen it happen in someone else's life. Where an argument happens, it escalates, time goes by, nobody apologizes, people start, get, they, people start rallying their friends on their side, well, this person did that, and this person did that, and, and start, start to get your crew together, and, and this, now, now it's this crew against that crew, and all this other stuff, and if you, if, you, if, you, if you even look at them the right way, then you don't belong on my crew, and if you agree with that, if don't drink this, and it just, we just tear each other apart. And it gets to the part, guys, I'm sick of seeing families give up on each other. People who know, they know that they love each other, but they turn and walk away. Why? Because they don't know how to say, I'm sorry. They don't know how to say, my love for you is bigger than my disagreement of you. To be able to step back for a minute and say, whoa, 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 what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing? What's the bigger picture to all of this? Will we ever agree? Does that mean we have to move to different sites of the planet? No. That was never God's intention. We've got to learn how to deal with each other. Clever memes is not the way. <laughs> Finding that news article that agrees with you and posting it is not the way. No one ever changed their mind because someone yelled at them. Why do we even go there? Have you ever been yelled at? What do you want to do? Hmm. You want to walk away. If you're going to take it there, I, no, I'm not going there. It's not how family acts. Family of God. Church family, that's not how we act. I 
Isaiah 1.18 says this. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I think some of us need to tattoo that on our foreheads. Because it's gone to a place where reason just doesn't even fit in the equation anymore. Reason is just this, on weak people. Weak people reason. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that when something happens negatively to you, the idea is if, if I don't emotionally respond to the height or higher of whatever just happened, then I'm, I'm insincere. Have you noticed that? Well, they apologized, but they didn't apologize right. <laughs> they stood up for me, but it wasn't loud enough. Chuck Swindoll, Christian author, said this, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. Coach Urban Meyer of The Amazing. You see, here's the thing. So, (laughs) Ohio State. So, you know how I was talking about myself and, and hunting? I'm the same way with football. I don't know. But just because I'm from Ohio, I have to be all like, oh, age. See, yeah, it's like, it's a thing. It's a thing, right? I have to bleed crimson and gray. Oh, I have to, apparently. You got to say, y'all, I have to root for the Buckeyes. You know, as bad as this is, a good number of years ago, I was in a, a, a Christian rock band. We were touring around. We, we, I found ourselves, we found ourselves up in Wisconsin, Green Bay. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was a fun experience. We were buying an RV up there. We had a few shows planned. And we get up there with nothing but just like base. We, we had nothing. We were nothing. And we, we, we spent a night sleeping on the, uh, the pavement of the parking lot of Lambeau Field there. It was, it was a good time. But that, that, that Sunday coming up, this church had invited us in to, uh, to do a special song, and they were doing communion that day. And half of communion was about the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and I, th- I thought like Ohio State, Michigan was like the thing. But man, if, you've ever, if you ever want to experience football, Green Bay, those people are insane. Where, where, would, where did I come from? Urban Meyer, thank you. Urban Meyer came up with this equation. Event plus response equals outcome. Event plus response equals outcome. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Event plus response equals outcome. Guys, I believe that every time we we simplify life to something that just makes sense, I believe God has a way of leveraging that to our benefit. Because here's, here's the truth. The Bible was never meant to be difficult. Spirituality was never meant to be convoluted. We've made it that way. We've come up with all these different denominations, all these different rules, all these different things, and we, we, we make it complicated, but it's not. It's simple. It is so simple. I look at this, and it, it makes sense. For those of us who have kids, 
E plus R equals OMG. <laughs> Let's turn to God. Let's turn to Christ. What is the example? If God were to use this equation, he would look at it and start to, start to work things around. You see, God, God is obsessed. I love this. God is obsessed with our outcome. 100% obsessed to the point to where he gave his only son. Gave his only son that we would have a positive outcome. Everything in life that he designed, he designed for us to have a positive outcome. Every relationship was meant to be one of restoration. Every, every, every time we, we get together and, and worship together, every time we come here to learn, it was, it was meant to be a time of healing. A time, that's why we call it a sanctuary. It's supposed to be a place of peace and of rest. But we've made it the church. It's just the church. God is obsessed with our outcome. And here's what's really cool about this. He's so obsessed with our outcome, he changes the equation. Because his outcome for us is steady. His desired outcome for us is solid. It was the same when he created us, and it will be the same on the other side of it. His outcome is the same. So here's what he says. <laughs> he says, there's an event but I know how I want the outcome to be. And so then I respond accordingly. One thing I love about Christ is the way he just flips everything on its head. When you look at Jesus talking through the, through the scriptures, saying things like, you've heard it this way, but I say it this way. Right? You've heard it said you, you shouldn't be an adulterer, but I say that if you, if you look at people around and you, and you lust after somebody, you've already done it in your heart. You're already guilty. You've heard it said you're supposed to take people a mile when they ask. Well, I, I, I tell you, go, go the extra mile. He took leadership within, within spirituality and leadership within the church and just turned it completely upside down. Back in that day, the, 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 the priests of the day, I mean, they were, they were exalted. They were, they were lifted up almost like royalty and, and, and they, were, they were given things and then they, were, they lived in the best places and, and then here comes Jesus, the Messiah, the rabbi, and he gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples, completely turning things around. First will be last, the last will be first. And so he turns around the equation. He says, I'm obsessed with the outcome, so I'm changing the way it goes. Whatever event, I'm going to run it through how I want it to turn out. Then I'm going to respond See, God says this, there's two ways to live, which produce two kinds of outcomes. In Galatians 5, verse 19, talks about living through emotion, living through flesh. He says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. It's like when the Bible uses words we don't use anymore, enmity. I looked it up, it's the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Actively opposed or hostile. It results in strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. That's when we live our way. That's when we live emotionally. 
But God said there's another way to live, and that's to live by the Spirit. And there's fruits of that Spirit. That Spirit will produce things in you and in the lives of others. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patient, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. I need that in my house. I need that in my house. As long as Fortnite exists, I need that in my house. You should see them lose their mind when there's a new dance on that dumb shing. What are you doing? I need peace in my house. Gentleness. Self-control. This is what happens when I live a spiritually, emotionally mature life. So you guys, God's desired outcome has always been and forever will be a restoration. In 2 Corinthians 5.16, it says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. But we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Let that sink in. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us. He's committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God has called us to be agents of healing. To be agents of peace. To be agents of reconciliation. Does that describe my life? Does that describe my relationships? Does that describe my online way of living? Guys, one of our jobs is to teach and demonstrate how to correct and respond with a goal of reconciliation. When our kid messes up to not respond, doling out judgment, forgiveness on my terms, not condemnation, not the prison warden whose only repercussion is to punish. For some of us, that's just where we get, isn't it? Life is hard. How many of you just get tired sometimes? The last thing you want to do is sit down and say, how do I think through my emotions intelligently? And how do I look at my desired outcome while, while, while like one kid is like punching the other in the, in the face? How, how, what, how, how, how do I create the perfect child in this moment? No. It's really easy to just to lose it, right? Just to lose it. How many of you are guilty of saying, because I said so? Do this. Why? Because I said so. In all honesty, we all should know better, shouldn't we? So what's this look like in the life of Christ? I want to, oh my gosh, I have no time left. Oh no, what have I done? 
Power us. <laughs> we'll edit this out. I want to look at three stories really fast, then I'll, I'll do my best to wrap this up. Early in Jesus' ministry, there's a woman brought to him by a group of men who was about to be stoned. And they said, you don't understand. She's done wrong. She's acted immorally. And this is what society says we have to do. And I got, I got, I got to tell you something. I, I can imagine the pressure on Jesus at that moment. Because listen, that is what society said they had to do. Okay, it's not like they just out of nowhere came up with this thing. Oh, we're going we're gonna to hit this lady with rocks until she dies just because it sounds like a good idea. No, this was the standard. And now you have someone who calls himself rabbi. And they're coming to him saying, this is what we're supposed to do. Is this what we're supposed to do? And this is one of the first things in his ministry. I can imagine the pressure, the religious pressure to do what we're supposed to do, right? But Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. This is the event, yes. But what do I want the outcome to be? I want people to understand that this, <laughs> that you are no better than anyone else. And it is not our place to judge people. It is not our place to enact judgment upon the people. And so he goes through this. He wants the outcome, and so then he responds. <laughs> Tell you what, the one who's perfect, you go ahead and throw the first rock. There's a story of a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus he says, I've, I've done everything right. <laughs> Praise my name. I've given to all the poor people. I've kept all the commandments. I've kept all the laws. I've done every single thing I'm supposed to do. I have kept the letter of the law to the T. What else do I got to do? Tell me, Messiah. And any other religious leader would have been like, you are doing fantastic. <laughs> There's nothing else you have to do. You are doing the things you're supposed to do, Right? Jesus had an event happen, and then he looked at, what do I want to see the outcome? Well, we can all go deeper, to be honest with you. And it seems like this kid is really obsessed with, 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 with checking the box rather than investing in people's lives. Tell you what, kid, I want your outcome to be a, piece of, a place of brokenness. So I'm going to tell you this, go and sell everything. Kid turns and walks away. I can only imagine those words just bouncing around in his head. There's a Samaritan woman at a well. And Jesus comes for water. And man, you're not supposed to talk to us. Not a Jew. Not supposed to talk to a Samaritan woman. Jesus looks into her life and sees exactly where she's at, exactly what she's doing. She's not there to get water. She's there hiding from people. She's there in the middle, the hottest part of the day. Nobody walks that far and gets water that time of day. Why are you here? Because you got like five ex-husbands? And, and, you, and you, you, you got somebody on the side right now, and I'm sure you've got all their families are mad at you, and, and you're just looking for a place of rest. Well, let me tell you something. I see the events in your life, and where I am supposed to condemn you, I don't want that outcome for you. So I'm going to tailor my response to this moment. I'm tailoring my response to the outcome I want for you in your life. And so I'm going to say this. Here is the water that will give you all the rest you need. Come drink and thirst no more. This is the model that God, that Christ laid out for us. Listen to the importance God places on restoration. In Matthew 5, 23, he says this. Therefore, if you're offering your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave the gift at the altar. First go and be reconciled to you, and then come and offer your gift 
In other words, I mean, we were created to praise. That's why God created us, to worship him. We were created to worship him. But this is so important, he's saying, if in the middle of that worship you realize that you've wronged somebody or you got something against somebody, drop it. Go take care of it. Be reconciled. This is your mission. And then come back and worship me. I want to end it with this. I'm going to skip a few on the slides. What do I do with this example? See, God's given us this incredible template, but far too often out of a propensity to just keep going rather than fix a systemic problem, we don't pay attention to God's template. We just use our own. And we do, we've done our best. We've done our best. We, we, we've gone to counseling. We've gone to counseling, and, and we've, we, we married a good woman, you know, and, and, we, and we worked on getting our credit score back to where it should be. You know, we've, we quit Facebook like four times. You know, and we, we've, we've, really done, we've really done good. We, we go to church, we listen to what Pastor Ross says, and we apply it to our, we apply it to our life. But no matter how much I try, I've, I'm, I'm still kind of messed up. And, and, and there, there's, there's things within me that are habits. And, and for some reason, when I get emotional, all of a sudden that thing that my mom said when I was six comes back. And, and I don't know why. It's, it's the worst thing in the world, but then I said it. And we begin, we begin shaping our kids after who we are. And we know, we know that there's a better example. We know there's a better way. And we do not want to mess up our kids. We want to raise these straight arrows. But even at a young age, we begin to see things are messed up. We cannot allow our inability to deal with a relationship through the lens of the outcome God wants to destroy the opportunity for our kids to see that it's possible. I realize we have some messed up relationships. A lot of us are divorced. How do you deal with that? Some of us, we just have, we just have ugly people in our life. How do I do with that? You know what? You deal with it with love. You deal with it with love. Guys, as a believer, we're called to persuade, not punish. We're called to convince, not condemn. As much as it hurts to say, we're called to reconcile, not retaliate. So we find ourselves in Ephesians 14. So I tell you this. I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, 17. There we go. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as, live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life that God, life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. How many of us? Out of self-preservation have allowed our heart to harden Having lost all sensitivity, they have given in themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you have learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life 
put off your old self. It's not me anymore. That old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desire. Verse 23, but to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Because that attitude will determine if you're going to fly straight. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're we're all members of one body. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. In other words, being angry does not release you from the responsibility of acting in a biblical manner. I was mad. So, grow up. My dog gets mad when I take his bone. Don't be basic. We're meant for more, amen? In your anger, don't sin. Anyone who's been stealing must do it no longer, but must work and doing something useful with their hands so they may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And it ends like this. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger and slander along with every form of malice. Every form. Even the social media. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just in God. Just because in Christ, God forgave you. 29, it said, only what is helpful for building others up. The example of God is that he never wants to diminish you. He wants to make you greater. That's how we raise the next generation of straight arrows. Discipline. Correct. Out of love to build up, never to tear down. If there's relationships in your life where those little ones are watching you, you lose your mind. You gotta grow up. I can't, I can't, I can't change the event that happened to me. I can't change what this person is gonna say about me. I can't change how this person is gonna shut me out. I can't change any of that, but I know the outcome. I know the outcome that God would have for this situation. So I'm not going to respond to the event. I'm going to respond to the outcome that God has for me. And in that, in that, God will forge you as you forge the next generation. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, I pray you would just quicken our spirits in this moment. Lord, you know where we're at. You know the issues we have. And God, we know that you're bigger than that issue. 
Lord, I pray that you would just teach us to look ahead a little bit and respond out of the outcome you have set up for us. Teach us what it is to reconcile in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.